Welcome back to the Quiet On Set podcast. I'm your host, Jürgen Graf, and today I am joined by the twin kings of Gold Derby, the masters of post-review jokes and your healthy dose of overreacting to names being read out. It's the Oscar expert and brother bro, Cole and Justin. Thank you for coming back to the show. Thank you for having us and thank you for um, all those wonderful titles that I never even knew I had. You can cue the WWE theme. <laughs> yeah, I noticed last time when I said special guest, you were already excited for being called special. So I thought I might add something on top of it, you know. And we're also joined by the fierce leader of the Flick Fan Nation. You could call him the Netflix expert. In addition to being a certified Rotten Tomatoes critic and a Critics' Choice member, It's his first time on the show. Welcome, Austin Burke. Hello, everyone. What's going on? It is nice to be here. I know we were supposed to uh, collab a bit earlier, but um, to finally be here talking Sundance and um, so many different movies. I know you and you saw a lot of films at this festival, so you're going to be giving me as much insight as we are giving you all today. And uh, it's just great to be on here with a bunch of awards experts. Uh, this is going to be fun. Yes, I'm really looking forward to it as well. And I guess with the added bonus that brings maybe some of your audiences that are coming in, maybe you're just stopping by because you know these guys. Uh, just consider leaving a five-star review over on Apple Reviews. It helps us out a lot, even if you just stop by for one episode. Uh, we really appreciate it. And I guess for an overview today, we're not really doing anything that we usually do on the show. We are not talking about what we've been watching separately from a movie that we cover because the entire show is what we've been watching at Sundance and uh, we won't be doing any news today, but we're talking about Sundance this week. So how was everyone's Sundance experience? I know for you guys, Cole and Justin, it wasn't the first time that you've been to the fest. So how was the experience this time and how was it different from your previous uh, Sundance experiences? He actually didn't go last time. It was just me on a, on a solo expedition to Park City. It's definitely not as exciting when it's uh, virtual, but it seemed like you know, from Twitter, like a lot of people like got the opportunity to go. So I don't know if they invited more people, but it was cool that there were even more like opinions being shared online. Like right when the movie mm -hmm. ends, you have like hundreds of letterboxed ratings. So it was really easy to figure out like, oh, this is what people think of this movie. Like maybe I should or shouldn't check it out. But, you know, as everybody says, you can't replace the in-person experience. I think that the, the quality of the movies, if I'm being honest, was more stacked last year. You know, because it's a year later, you, you guys have probably seen a lot of the films that went to Sundance last year. But yeah. uh, I saw like more movies that I was meh on this year and less ones that I was like really excited about. But it was it was still a pretty fun experience. It was a little, you know, stale to be a couch potato, as you all probably were during the festival. <laughs> yes. And did you say that anybody, anyone else here? Has ever been to Sundance? Uh, no, was my first experience as well. So I guess, uh, Austin, to hand it over to you, how was your first experience? Yeah, yeah, it, it was great. There were um, a lot of people telling me that the in-person experience was just one of the best film festivals you can go to. Uh, living in Kentucky, it's a bit more difficult to get there. So the opportunity to do this digitally is really cool. And like they just mentioned, you know, you have the letterbox ratings almost immediately. So it's like the films that I, I felt as if I missed out on, if they're getting, you know, decent to good reception and I was already interested in them, it's like, oh great, maybe I can catch this on second viewing. So it was, it was nice to see that. And it was also nice to see just a lot of, maybe not more casual, because maybe they're not as interested, but uh, people less so to be likely to travel to a festival like Sundance to see these films and to have these ready to go, whether it be a review or reaction when the film actually drops. I mean, that is so cool. It, it's a nice way to kind of unite movie fans everywhere and not just across the country, but across the entire world. So I, I really liked seeing that. 
And the films that I think most people agreed on in terms of quality to see that kind of unison within movie fans, I thought was really cool. So overall, the digital experience was great, uh, but I, I can't wait to go in person one of these days. That's what I'm excited about. <laughs> yeah, I think the, when when Coda dropped, when that premiered, there were so many people reacting to it immediately. Yeah. And I guess that's not really an experience you'd normally have just because there are not going to be as many people who see the movie at the same time. Yeah. And it was it was insane the amount of reactions that there were. Um, and you didn't have to be like an elite to be reacting to that premiere. So that was pretty cool. Also, something that I like about, you know, anytime you, you'd go to a festival like this is especially Sundance. There's there's only I think there was like one or two movies that I even had a trailer. So you're going into these movies knowing like the cast and crew and then you have like one or two images, mm. um, which yeah. I really enjoy because I remember last year, Palm Springs, like I didn't know that there was the time concept Groundhog Day thing. I didn't even know that was a thing because I didn't have a trailer for that or anything. So it was even more fun cool. to like figure out these movies for the first time. And I think that that could also be said about mass. I'm not sure if I want to spoil like, you know, what those couples relationship to each other was, but that was a good reveal like yeah and a lot of people trailer. are gonna know that going in it's disappointing yeah yeah it was a really cryptic synopsis from reading it i really didn't know what, what i was in for and i mean even in the movie itself without spoiling of course anything they don't address it like as straightforward in a, in a sense like you kind of have to figure it out for a while yourself what's going on i really like that and um with going in blind, like On the Count of Three was one of the films that I really wasn't looking forward to and I was really pleasantly surprised <laughs> by it. Yeah. Are you guys planning on going to Sundance next year? If it's in person, of course, uh, if it's digital, then I guess it, it's without a question. But yeah, if we're back to Park City, will you guys attend? Definitely, definitely for us. Yeah, my goal is like to get Sundance and then do like Toronto, cool. you know, every year that I can. Mm -hmm. New York Film Festival is also probably going to be easy because I live around the area. That's not like a, a whole big travel deal. But if I could hit those two like every year, that'd be like pretty amazing. Are you guys going to go? That That's part of my like... I it's the money, but it's also just kind of, all right, I've never done it because I've, I've, I've never done an in-person. I've done smaller ones around Kentucky, but we don't, we don't do a lot of movie stuff around here. We're different. All right. <laughs> so to go and actually experience that is something I'm, I'm hesitant. I'm nervous, but I'm also just really excited for that communal experience like you all were mentioning. And, and you talk about a movie like Mass, the summaries that I've read, I, I can't remember if it was Letterboxd or IMDb, actually the reveal that we got during the film is actually spoiled in the summary so to have those surprising i imagine watching palm springs uh you guys watching palm springs or you watching palm springs last year and just being completely mesmerized by the reveal after reveal not knowing it had to do with all of the time stuff man that had to be so cool to see that yeah it was pretty great i mean every movie i think is is made a little bit better not knowing the trailer even though i i cannot resist watching trailers when they drop so we <laughs> <laughs> do yeah, and if anyone here goes to Sundance next year, we got to, you know, we could split some rent and make it cheaper for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, so. that is a good plan. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, we have some friends to go with. I mean, my co-host from this podcast, Lachlan, and I do have a pact that within the next five years, we will attend Sundance. Nice. That's kind of our goal because he's from Australia and I'm from Switzerland. So it's a bit harder for us, I guess, to travel over yeah. there. It's a bit more of a hassle even. Looking at some of the stats, we got almost a record high of submissions this year. I think it was something like 14,000 submissions wow. and then 141 accepted projects. Overall, when it comes to the number of feature films, we got 74. And that is like 50 less than we did 
last year and it's been going up for a while but i guess it kind of went down because i guess more movies but still they were kind of harsh on selection from those there were 43 narrative features and 30 documentaries we also got a couple of deals for a few films already i guess uh Coda is what's been in the air <laughs> lately with a record-breaking $25 million wow. that Apple paid to buy this little gem. Um, I assume for the streaming platform, right? It must be. Yeah. Yes, I believe so. It's insane how much people can put up for streaming platforms. Like, I, I really don't think a lot of these films would make more than the amount that they were bought for in theaters, um, which is at least what you need to make in order to make profit like yeah. usually you're trying to double that in theaters and so it's, I, I guess it's, I, I think it's just giving these indies like a huge opportunity to actually make a lot more money than they'd ever have made especially like passing I think they got a really good deal with Netflix I don't know it was like to the tune of like they were like what, 16 17 million yeah mm -hmm. and so that movie seeing that I really liked it and I was also like I don't know if that many people would like this movie it's very for like people who are they're like into the the book or indie film goers, besides like the appeal of the cast, which that definitely has some draw, but still to, to assume that that can make like 30 million in the box office is like a real stretch. So um, mm. it makes me very optimistic, yeah. the fact that all these indies get bought at such high prices. Yeah, and some of the films have also already been released. I mean, A Glitch in the Matrix is coming out, I believe today. Oh God, I'm not gonna watch that thing. Yeah, has any of <laughs> has anyone of you seen that? I, I heard I heard it was like awful. Looks no. freaky. Yeah, I've seen it and it was awful. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> was it? Oh wow. Yeah, Dang. probably the worst documentary that I've seen um, at the entire festival. Well, the, the documentaries were good. Wow. Uh, what's the deal with that one? Is it just like nonsense? It is just utter nonsense. Um, I haven't seen uh, Room... 237 i think it is right yeah and it's from the same director uh, mm. similar in that vein he just puts on random people to like spout their <laughs> theories and this is just it's so funny because like at some point it opens up with minecraft and someone's just building something with minecraft and it's how they intro the film and i'm like can i take this at least like a little bit seriously what's going on here and then i i was just confused the whole way through it's definitely not something that you should waste any money just on. a crackpot movie basically. stay inside the matrix definitely a crackpot movie yes i i just can't watch any any like conspiracy or weird the like theoretical stuff that's like made for people who to get stoned at and watch because there's so many actual conspiracies that are like destroying the world right now and I, yeah. I i just cannot watch yeah. any because i apply like the same level of criticism to them and even though i know it's supposed to be fun or it's about aliens or whatever it's like not fun for me yeah and i mean it's also something that doesn't really have any purpose of existing like usually i like a documentary that maybe has a journalistic angle or like uh socio-ecological angle or just a psychological angle and it's just a mess it doesn't make any sense at mm. all but um, yeah, I guess, are there any movies from the festival that you are worried uh, for when it comes to dis distribution? Uh, not, I mean, not off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I'm not sure like who bought what or which ones are theatrical, which ones are streaming. I assume like most of these are going to be streaming. Yeah, a lot of the documentaries were produced, at least, I think, by PBS. Mm. So yeah. um, that we put on there. And I do have a list of um, deals that have been made so far. There's Coda, Flea. Passing, Ailey, Crypto Sue, A Glitch in the Matrix, Summer of Soul is on Hulu, Playing with Sharks, Jockey, Prisoners of the Ghostland, Together Together, and the Mio's Beautiful Boy in the World. Oh. <laughs> That's all the deals that have been made so far as of, I, well, I guess Friday or Saturday, the 5th or 6th of February. 
So not that many deals, mm-hmm. I guess, that have been announced yet. Yeah, that's interesting. There are a few of those that I didn't know about. I guess together, together, uh, I had heard more recently. But uh, yeah, I- I'm more so worried about maybe the quality of some of the movies as opposed to uh, whether or not they'll be picked up by studios. Because I-, I think for some of these that I was more disappointed in, the fan reception or, or the audience reception won't be as good. Um, but I'm definitely interested mm-hmm. to see which of some of these others ends up getting picked up. And you're going to be seeing a lot more of these Sundance films go the streaming route. I mean, obviously now because of COVID, but uh, I, I think from here on out, because you talk about box office and that's just a very, it's, it's a tough thing to get with a film, with, with movies like this. So um, to go on a Netflix or an Amazon or Hulu, um, I believe will help the movie immensely. And I think that way, a lot more people are going to end up seeing them regardless. Like Apple getting Coda, this is a huge deal. For Apple, this could be the biggest movie in terms of audiences coming in that Apple's ever had, right? They've had Greyhound, Tom Hanks, this and that, but mm-hmm. this film is built for everyone. So to see it go to that platform, uh, bring some people over there, I think is really good news for it and for Apple. So I like that marriage a lot. The only thing about um, Coda that would be like a difficult sell is that the cast isn't really well known except for like maybe Marley Matlin. Unknowns, yeah. So, you know, I, yeah. I mean, I would I would recommend Coda to like anybody because it's obviously just such a, an appealing movie. But, um, you know, yeah. I wonder how many people will be watching like because it's going to have to be because of word of mouth. Like, you know, I don't think that many people would go like just to see a Marley Matlin film. And it's like the biggest star of the whole movie. But Eugenio Derbez is, is very popular, though, in his own. It's true. Isn't in his own way. I think he has a really large following with like Latin X communities. Yeah, it's a it's a film that is built around, I believe, buzz. You look at a movie and a very different film, obviously, but a few years ago, Sing Street, right? You know, it mm-hmm. didn't make a huge dent in terms of money, this and that. But I think more and more people are like, what is this Sing Street everybody keeps talking? And it's funny because Ferdia Walsh Pilo's in this film as well. But uh, I just I feel like it has that kind of, you know, emotional impact. People are going to be talking about it spread like wildfire. At least I hope. Maybe that's because I enjoyed the film so much. Uh, but man, I hope this movie gets big because it is it is just great. Yeah, Coda is by, far and away the movie I recommend to my mom. Far and away. Yes. <laughs> so good. I think it, it, it I like should. <laughs> I, I hope it, it attracts more people because the whole joke of, of like Apple streaming is nobody's on it. But I, that's I think it's going to change like in a couple of years. I do too. Uh, everything starts out yeah. that way. And it's it's they have the that obviously this was like a huge flex. And so the fact they have the ability to take, you know, to win bidding wars, like they're, they're going to be just as big, yeah. I think, eventually. I mean, maybe not like Netflix, but they're getting in the game. Yeah, they have some. More way to go. Uh, I guess you guys haven't seen the original that this is based on from 2014. No. Uh, I kind of went on, um, went in blind as well, kind of didn't know that, that it was. I just read the logline log and I was like, huh, this sounds kind of familiar. I think I've seen a movie like this before. And I started watching, I was like, hold on, this is a carbon copy of the film I already knew. And I Googled and I found out, yeah, it's uh, it's a remake of the French film uh, La Famille Billy. Really? Okay. That movie wow. plays more of the comedic side of everything. Uh, it says it's an original screenplay on IMDb. It's, like she's it's, the oh, only I found credited. it. It's the, it's the it's called the Bellier family. Yeah, but for some reason on IMDb, the, the only writing credit is Sean Hader, as if it's like an original wow. script. There's no credit <laughs> given to the original screenplay. Huh. Weird. Yeah, it's it's pretty big here because the parts of Switzerland are also French speaking, so. A lot of French films actually are playing here in cinemas as well. I think it was pretty big whenever that came out. I think in 2014. 
yeah, overall on the fest, Austin, I noticed that you were focusing way more on narrative features yeah. over documentaries. And I think you only caught one doc, one that actually got the prize for best international documentary. And that is, of course, Flea. So, uh, yeah, what do you what do you like about Flea? Yeah, I the focus was much more for me because I planned on doing a tier list, which I still need to actually put out there uh, of all the narrative features that <laughs> I saw. But Flea was the one that I had to catch because that was the one that everybody was talking about. And it really caught my eye. And obviously, we've seen documentaries that mix animation and live action. But the purpose behind the animation in this film uh, really got me into it. And then. The movie played out in such a beautiful way, and it ended up being one of the highlights of the fest. Now, uh, I, I am disappointed that I missed a few of these documentaries that I cannot wait to see, get screeners for this and that. But in terms of Flea, I'm just so glad that I caught it because, you know, to go about it in this way with this medium and to tell this story of this man who goes through so much, uh, builds relationships, gets things stripped away from him. And then the resolution to this story, I thought the ending was absolutely Beautiful. So yeah, Flea was one of those docs I, I just had to see. So glad I saw it. And it ended up being one of the highlights of the fest for me. Mm. Yeah. How was it uh, for you, uh, Colin Justin? I thought Flea was great. It was it was as good as people were saying it is. It definitely it's one of those documentaries that gives you a whole experience that you'd never have had otherwise. It's powerful enough, I think, to make you look at your life a little bit differently. And um mm -hmm. Just seeing how much people struggle to obtain citizenship, it makes that whole privilege like come to light. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we both really liked. It. I think it's in our top five each. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely one of the best of the festival. But I would say I it, it might have been beat for me by Summer of Soul. For I only saw three documentaries, but Summer of One's Soul. Seen. I know. Yeah. I, yeah. I bet you're. I bet you're. You're to see that now that it won like the, the oh, big prize. But that was man. like that's that's just like a really excellent. It's it's basically a concert film that sometimes delves into like historical context of the event and like the artists. Um, but that was just like really well done. I, I don't know how the audio quality sounded like it was recorded this year because I'm not I'm not yeah. used to seeing like 60s films where they they don't sound like I don't know, like there's something about the audio quality. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we were wondering where they obtained the recordings of this because they were definitely recordings as far as I know. Mm -hmm. And also the color of the film is like beautiful and, and the way they assemble it. It's it's like it's a very cinematic experience because it's literally like it's bringing back to life this thing that everybody forgot happened. And it feels like a very momentous event. So th this was actually like this was the last film I saw. It's the best one I saw overall, like wow. even considering the fiction. I don't, well, I don't know what you what about Judas the <laughs> fiction? I don't know. Well, I, I even I even liked it more than Judas, probably. Oh, really? it was just like very well done. Hmm. I mean, I hope it gets the Oscar nomination. And but we were talking about it. They like to snub archival documentaries, which is a real shame. Yeah. It's like Apollo 11. Yeah. yeah. And won't you be my neighbor? And life itself. Oh. <laughs> there's a lot Tragic. of, them. There's, a lot of oh. there's just so much. I mean, it's literally called Summer Soul, but there's so much soul in the movie. There's also a lot of soul music. And it gives you an appreciation for so many different like niches and genres of the of music. Like I want a soundtrack in a way to, um, you know, accompany the film and like listen to after. But it's pretty awesome. It's I mean, there were the only thing I'd say negatively is it was a lot of music for a long time. So it was like a, it dragged like a tiny bit. But I also wouldn't take an inch off the movie because it's like a, it's kind of what it is like a concert film. And that's what it's supposed to be. 
Um, and it did a good job for the most part, like interjecting history when it needed to like switch things up. But yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I find myself going back to when the songs were playing, like opening up Spotify and just putting them in my playlist again to listen to later. Yeah, especially like the mashup from uh, Let the Sunshine In and what is it called? The other song? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And uh, also, put your records on. I've been listening to that. Uh, listening to that. Non-stop. I feel I feel like bad that I don't know enough about like a lot of these artists. But like the Nina Simone section was like pretty stunning. I was like, oh my god, like Nina Simone. I like, this is this is why really like this is why people hype her up so much. I have to listen to her. Nina Simone's great. <laughs> yeah, it is great to kind of relive that part of history because I think we are kind of in a time where we still do a lot of eighty stuff. Not a lot of stuff from the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And recently we've gotten, a, a, I mean, uh, also with Judas, it's kind of on the bridge between the 60s and the 70s. We, we are getting way more films uh, uh, in, from that time period. And something that it just uses kind of archival footage and a bunch of interviews um, from a time that otherwise would have been lost. It was really beautiful. I really enjoyed the film as well. I It wasn't my favorite documentary from the fest, but um, it was another music documentary that I really enjoyed. The one from Edgar Wright. Mm. On the on the Sparks about the Sparks brothers, I really just enjoyed that. I think there might be a bit of a bias there because I I do really like Edgar Wright and he brings um kind of his visual flair and uh kind of his pacing to a documentary and it was just really refreshing. And now I've just been listening to the Sparks nonstop in my free time, which actually means like I I've heard like three songs so far because I I don't think I have mentioned that yet but I watched 64 films um at the festival so I, I I had to catch up on some sleep after we were done with it how the hell did that happen wow I didn't even watch half of that so <laughs> did you not eat yeah I I think I tweeted halfway through the festival that I'm um, I'm not doing any reviews anymore just because I I didn't sleep really anymore more <laughs> than like three hours and just wait uh, went in. I, I actually don't really know why I did that. It was a bit overkill, but I thought, hey, I, I paid for the pass. I don't know. I think you guys, uh, you all had um, yeah, press. Uh, press passes, at least to yeah. some capacity, right? Yeah. And I was just uh, there with a regular, um, I guess, festival pass. And I was like, okay, well, to make this worth, I got to see at least 24 movies. And when I crossed that bridge, I was like, well, I'm not going to stop now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just kept on going and, and more movies kept on coming. But I did miss a few, I guess. And uh, there's a there's a letterbox list for Austin and mine. I don't think uh, you guys have done yours. And by the time this episode comes out, I might have uh, something to link for the listeners as well for you, uh, Justin and Cole. We're going to make a, a video top 10. So I'm also going to make a letterbox list. Ah, okay. Reveal it in the video. Yeah. <laughs> Um, gotcha, like gotcha. That. Gotta but, keep it secret. Oh, I'm gonna make sure that I'm not revealing them. <laughs> well, we, we can reveal here. It's you know, it's cool. this is this can be exclusive if it it's comes out before us to do that. But I my my issue with watching like too many movies, which there's a, there's a too many movies for me because maybe not for you, but like I would I get tired during some movies and like that makes it harder to appreciate them or like I'm I was like dozing off sometimes, and I like I need sleep during this stuff. So I don't know how you go on three hours because, you know, as much as movies are stimulating, like they can they can kind of like lull you to to sleep a little bit if you're if you're not feeling, you know. Yeah. Energetic. You're not well rested. I feel like someone feels feels threatened because he called himself the Sundance expert over. Uh, well, I, I'm going to have to <laughs> hand that over to, to you. To you. <laughs> I, I unfortunately, you know, I tried to take care of myself during that time and <laughs> eat food and get yeah. some sleep and 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 right, edit, right. uh, content 
and but you were you were just I mean you were you, how about how about you can be the Sundance beast because that's what you did you beasted it out I like that title I will take it but I guess let's talk about some more highlights we haven't really watched a lot of documentaries so I guess let's move on to uh, feature highlights oh I have one thing to say about um, the Sparks Brothers documentary I don't know if you know this but that that's going to be good prep for you because uh, are you guys aware of the film Annette. Uh, it was like yeah. kind of supposed to come out last year. Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard, the musical. Yes. The yes. Sparks Brothers mm-hmm. like wrote all the songs for that. Like that's like their musical. Mm. I didn't know that. They were even cool. um, I think they wrote part of the screenplay as well. They, they do have credits. Yeah. That's, and Leo's car wow. of Holy Motors is directing it. So it's going to be a hell of a beast of a movie. So that's awesome. <laughs> they're going to have a big year. But yeah, uh, I guess what was your favorite feature film from the festival? For me, it was, I guess, on the count of three. I really enjoyed that one. That was really a pleasant surprise. And uh, a movie that tackles suicide in a sense that it doesn't miss the dramatic beats. It doesn't miss the comedic beats. It just kind of comes together in a nice way that feels respectful. And um, it's still going to cause some kind of uproar in the media as uh, films like these always do. I think kind of unjustified because it walks the line cautiously between making this entertaining but also thoughtful. And I really like movies that don't really take my hand and just drag me along and just like, look at this. This is what that means. It's kind of more open and requires the audience to be at least emotionally capable to, I guess, um, judge for themselves. Yeah, what's going on? How did you guys land on on the count of three? I thought it was one of my favorites of the fest, uh, for sure. I, I really liked the writing and the style, like the rhythm of the whole thing. Uh, I thought it was like very unpredictable. I had no idea like how things were going to unfold. So I was like on the edge of my seat. It was really funny. Like I thought that the dark comedy was very like tasteful. And I know some people are going to think that it's not treating it respectfully. But I've seen like I've seen takes where people think the movie is like disrespectful and then some people who are like i i have like depression and this movie like really spoke to me on that level so it's kind of interesting how we're getting those kind of different reactions i I thought it was like really well written i thought it was like heartfelt like i really cared about the the characters and their relationship like it was emotion it was like every kind of compelling i think that you could have a movie be can we talk about the uprise of christopher abbott I feel like he's on a huge upswing. Oh my god! I'm I'm so I'm I'm very here for Christopher Abbott. Well, both Abbott and Carmichael, in my opinion, really brought something. Especially Carmichael, because you know it's not the kind of movie I would expect him to direct. And it's crazy to me that it had this. And I know pretty much everybody has said I will be shocked if A24 does not pick up this film. It just and not because of Christopher Abbott's hair. (laughs) Uh, That's not it. It's not good time. You know, Robert Pattinson, obviously. But it's it's more so just the style and the pacing and kind of the unexpected nature of where the story goes. And I think all of those things combined, it was, other than Judas, it was my favorite of the festival. And I just, I, I loved mm-hmm. how it turned out. Not to spoil anything, but just the, the, the shock factor and I think just the intensity factor uh, within that third act. Man, and I'll say this, I watched it again with the awards pass and... Liked it even more, uh, and I've not logged that yet on Letterbox, but uh, it's one that could actually end up competing with Judas at the end of the day upon rewatch because it's just that kind of movie for me, man. And I love this style so much. So yeah, yeah, I think it's the the best of the original premieres uh, of the festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was probably the most entertaining film that I saw at Sundance, and there's really no one I wouldn't recommend that one to. It, it's also just so nice because some of the films are very slow, and then you get a film like this. And it's like riveting the whole time. It's like hilarious yeah. and it's exciting. Uh, it's got some 
really entertaining performances. And I do agree that I, I don't think it's an offensive movie because uh, there's like that quote, it's comedies laughing at pain. And that's exactly what the movie's doing. Mm. And it's not it's not overstepping that at all. I mean, I know I mean, people who I know who are like depressed will like they laugh at their own pain. I mean, that's that's often like a good medicine. So I think most people will find mm. that. I'm, I can't speak for everybody, but. I think the movie was really well balanced. Yeah, speaking of things that are really well balanced, how did you? I guess we don't want to spoil what what is the case in mass, but maybe we can cryptically talk <laughs> around it. How we thought that was handled because it's another like really tough subject. Yeah, this one I I was convinced people would be divided on it, and there's there was actually more of a consensus of it being one of the best than I thought there was going to be, because. I think what the film does that's tricky is, I, I mean, it obviously takes on the subject matter and then you have to earn the right to do that. And it also tries to earn the right to reach a moment of catharsis, which some films don't even attempt to do. Like Elephant wouldn't, it doesn't, it like doesn't dare try to make you feel any sort of positive way. Um, but this is actually, I think it's less about this event in particular and more about, I don't know, I'm not going to say what I think it is, but it's 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 more of like, a humanist story um and it really does try to focus on healing mm. yeah it, you could definitely the, the, the movie is universal in terms of just like you know grief and like forgiveness and all that mm. it, it, it's you know it's obviously about like a more important issue that you could talk about on a lot of different levels like you know it, it could have gotten caught up in the politics of it there are some people me, and me and you were kind of like confused at this there are some people that kind of overstate the film's like stance on gun issues because it, it kind of you know, it brings it up. It says that the characters in the movie are concerned about it. Yeah. They, they could probably yell at each other for hours about it. But the movie, because it's about like, you know, overcoming like trauma, I don't think it needs to pretend like, oh, we have the there, here's one answer. Like legislation is the that'd be that kind of a weird conclusion for it to come to. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and so it doesn't even try to debate like to what extent legislation is the answer either, which is a debate you can also get caught up in forever. And I, it just I, I think it, it sidesteps the whole thing. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think other people who are very sensitive to those issues and, and they're, they're, they have the right to be are, are sometimes saying that the film, you know, is pro that or it's pro this. But I, I think it's like sidestepping it. I don't know about you guys. I don't know what your take was. Uh, for me, it's a movie that had the opportunity to go off on many different like you're talking about political tangents and, and, and to, you know, bring up topics that are definitely heavy. Right. But I, I love how the focus here was. And again, trying not to. I love how the focus here was emotion and dealing with the trauma and it really puts in perspective a lot of things and it focuses on the performances of the actors i was excited about this and obviously i mean jason isaacs i was excited about this for ann dowd i'm the world's biggest mm, ann dowd yeah. fan i think she is a magnificent overlooked performer and every time she pops up i'm like this gonna be good at least i know her scene's gonna be good and in this movie she may be giving her best performance here it's outstanding and i, I love you know Again, try not to, but at the end, when you think you come to a bit of a resolution and then there's just, there are emotional gut punches waiting every single second, it feels like. And sometimes, you know, places where you don't even expect them. Mm -hmm. And I just kept getting punched in the gut and I'm just like, and I'm with you guys. I, I thought this movie was going to be divisive because of that, because of the political nature of everything. But I believe everyone is seeing what I think we're seeing here. And that is the opportunity for uh, really four actors, one location to show what they've got and to do it in a way that's relevant to what is going on in the world today. And that's why I love the movie. That's why I thought it worked really well. And I know it's really early. Uh, this is the one film from this festival, maybe other than some of the docs that 
Oscar consideration could be there, especially for the performances. So I'm really excited to see how that plays out. Yeah, and I, I need to get this like a screenplay nomination because the writing yes, was like, insanely good. Yeah. Another um, yeah. point in the movie that is like the way that, you know, it's approach where it's like we're going to just do like four people talking at a table, like basically yeah. the whole movie. Mm-hmm. That was really smart. Piss me what we are doing right now. Yeah. Bas- <laughs> oh, look at that. Mass two right here. <laughs> um, the it's the most not. inappropriate movie to put a two after. It could have been, you know, another movie sort of like Elephant. Like, I really didn't want a movie that's that's too on the nose about it. Because, like, I feel like mm-hmm. everybody has seen so much coverage of this stuff. We don't need a movie that's, you know, taking place like in the school or like watching mothers grieve for the, like, like finding out that their children are dead. Like, that would be too much for me. Like, I wouldn't really want to watch a movie like that. But this movie captures all those emotions, you know, six years after the fact. It's I think it's like a good amount removed from the event where it it could like, yeah. that would have been a kind of an issue potentially. If yeah. Too much like that. Well, especially because it with removing it from the actual event, it brings so much baggage to all of the characters and they do carry that through their performances. And whenever there, there is like a face off between um, kind of their conflicting opinions of uh, what's actually important uh, concerning the issue, then they try to uh, stay respectful with each other, although they do uh, maybe have a lot of resentment and um, hatred that they put onto um, the other the other parents. Yeah. And I think that's something also that I really liked, apart from the great like written screenplay was and the performances performances was that they were able to have a discussion about something could be considered political but it's human in nature and they do it in a way where they see each other and they don't just yell at each other that was nice to see it this change of pace yeah we don't see that in real life either (laughs) no not at all yeah It was kind of an antidote to like internet discourse in a way. <laughs> and I would love if Martha Plimpton was nominated for a lead actress. I think she's the most likely of anybody to go lead. And I, you know, I like talking about Oscars, so I'm going to gravitate towards that. But I, I don't, I'm again, like I, a lot of these films, I don't know how they're going to do with audiences or if people are, if the Oscar was going to be as strong. Like, for example, last year, like, I don't even, when you saw Promising Young Woman, The Father Minari, it was like hard to tell if those were even going to be in the Oscar conversation and like, look what happened. I mean, yeah, I had no idea. All of them ended up in the conversation, but sometimes, I mean, sometimes there's zero films from Sundance (laughs) and I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just going to be sad if she's not in the conversation at the very least. Jason Isaacs and Jason Isaacs. I would also love to be in there. And, and, and doubt though, I actually think she has the best chance because she can go supporting and because she has the biggest sort of career trajectory and especially seeing the most recent nominations it people care about who you are it seems like i mean True. people who are missing out mm-hmm. like delroy linda missing out. i mean i'm just wondering like did people just not know who he is and that's why it's happening and they don't care that the performance is really good because they're not as familiar with him they're more likely to nominate someone like gary oldman i'm not sure what it is it does scare me for these actors i didn't know who most of them were before going in and doubt's the only one but i mean that shouldn't stop anybody from nominating them and doubt i think could could like maybe win the oscar i know you know austin that would probably make you very happy but i i would imagine oh like if she was in the race this <laughs> year like and let's say she's getting campaigned well like she I, she'd probably be winning like i could see that yeah, you know? yeah. like i could see that i mean how do you beat some of these performances honestly i, I hope it gets yeah. you know i hope it gets a proper campaign 
And even Reed Bernie, like if, if Jason Isaacs is lead somehow, he, he could be like a supporting player. I don't know. Yeah. But it, but it is a tough movie. Yeah. It's definitely interesting how they would kind of play because uh, at the end of the day, they probably would all be in a way supporting actor. I don't know who I th- you would go for I think as the lead. I thought about it and they all seem supporting, but then you'd have to compete Martha Plimpton and Ann Dowd. And I think they would try not to do that. And therefore they'd put like Martha Plimpton and Jason Isaacs maybe in lead, but that'd be you know, at the same time, if Jason yeah. Isaacs isn't supporting, then he's huge there. So I have no idea what they're going to do. Yeah, it's well, I mean, One Night Miami, I, that I, didn't make a lot of sense, but they had to do something. And they did and they did something. And I think <laughs> that's how it would go is they might split it along the cu- the line of the couples of who's leading supporting. My 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 approach to it is it, it kind of starts with Plimpton like that couple comes in first and at first one's in last one's out almost. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like mm-hmm. if you're going to campaign it in a way maybe do it make the two characters that we start with the leads and then go supporting with the couple that and and not trying to you know obviously not spoiling any plot points but that for me would be the approach as we've got sort of the main couple almost uh, but then that secondary couple would be and i know it's hard to distinguish that but if you're going to do it in my opinion you you have to try your best to get all four of these in here and not have to compete against each other because that yeah. is going to be and like you all said i think all four are at least worthy enough do they have the name no, are they Jared Leto? No, but you know, if you don't have the name sometime at the performances, you know, so that's kind of my approach to the entire thing. Yeah, I think they're all four worthy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's move on, I guess, to a little bit of a different topic, and I'll start us off with this one, so you have a little bit of time to think about it. I want to talk about a movie that uh, no one else is really that hyped about, and you guys really enjoyed, and the, the reception hasn't been um, as positively landing on stuff that uh, as as you guys are and for me that was the actual first movie that i caught at the fest was one for the road a really really cheesy drama comedy in a sense that kind of jumps around a bit in its narrative and it might be a bit clunky towards the end but i really had a good time with it and um yeah definitely some good performances there from actors i've never seen before and uh, i completely fell in love with uh one of the supporting actresses that was just like okay i'm flabbergasted <laughs> this gets a good rating <laughs> if only for that reason that i really enjoyed the way um she was on screen which, which actress was it was it the one that was involved with both of them the character of yeah Prim, Prim. i think her name right, right, is right. uh violet uh Vautier. yeah yeah i think she's a singer in real life and she's just uh she was she was just she had some energy on screen that was unmatched by anyone else and um, i agree actually i think she was the best but yeah that was kind of my highlight unexpected the consensus isn't really there for it to be well one of the best from the festival but i really enjoyed it yeah i i think me and me and uh justin over here a little mixed on it i i liked it overall for sure i thought that it had like a really interesting style and soundtrack i mean it was weird that they used the whiplash song i was like oh interesting <laughs> yeah yeah i don't i don't know what to make of um like the all the it, it was a long movie and I don't know what to make of like all the, you know, directions that it goes, but I think it ended up at like a, a good place and it was like sweet and it was a little cheesy, like you were saying. But um, yeah, I think that, that that is one that a lot of people seem to be like really on board with probably you more than me. Yeah, it's a good 30 minutes too long, I'd say I can uh, give it that at least. And I guess the, the lineup overall from Sundance wasn't that strong as last year. So that's why some a movie like this can kind of sneak its way um into my i guess top 10 from the festival overall yeah i agree i think the length was an issue i do i and it also it it shifts 
Mm-hmm. Uh, about halfway through the movie, it turns into something a bit different, which a lot of people didn't like. And I've seen some division like, you know, I like the first half. I like the second half. And um, I actually like both halves. It just it didn't feel as cohesive for me. But in terms of just this like uh, road trip buddy, you know, friend story and the way that it brings out a lot of different emotions. I like that. Again, you know, I think any other year, maybe not any other year, but something like last year, it wouldn't have been, you know, one of my uh, higher films of the festival, but I liked it. And it is kind of an unexpected film and the filmmaking choices and using, like you said, the song and whatnot. So yeah, it's, um, it was interesting, maybe not one of my favorites, but I, I enjoyed it. I really did. Yeah. Austin, do you have a film that, um, that you liked a bit more than everyone else seemed to? <laughs> well, okay. So I don't want to say it. Is this a good movie? Here's the thing. Cause I, I saw, I, I don't know if prisoners of the ghost land is a good movie. I don't know. <laughs> I'll never be able to tell you, to be honest with you. I had a freaking blast with this film. And here's why. This is a vehicle for Nicolas Cage, right? <laughs> it, is, it is a visual, visceral experience. I think, I honestly thought the visuals were incredible. Some of the, one of the best looking movies I've seen at the festival. Now, is the story all the way there? Not necessarily. I had a lot of unanswered questions. Um, but it is one that my wife and I both watched and agreed that like this was clearly built for if it was any other actor, I don't know if it would have been responded to in the same way. And what is the movie intending on doing? I think it accomplishes everything it intends on doing. Again, that's that's not going to make it one of my favorite films from the festival. But for what it ended up doing, I had a great time with it. And I think a lot of people are, are going to have a great time. I think a lot of people are going to hate it. And that's okay. But man, Prisoners of the Ghostland, I think I was higher on. Um, but again, it's not me saying it's a great movie. It's just me saying it did what it was supposed to do. And that's um, Nicolas Cage screaming the word testicle. So that worked out. <laughs> And eat that as a gift. <laughs> Nobody can argue with I that. I do need that as, as soon as possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, it was, I think, number 64 out of 65. So <laughs> there you go. I really, really there didn't like go. it. So I guess it's great. It's the perfect, what I was looking for, kind of yeah. an obscure pick to me. But I think it's going to find its audience. It's oh, yeah. definitely like deep, deep inside sure. this over-the-top genre. Yeah. It's just really not for me, but... I can I can see people really having a good time yeah. of it, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I agree. But yeah, it's just not really my <laughs> cup of tea. I love it. I love the divisiveness, man. It makes me so happy. <laughs> I have to recommend it to to the people who it's for for sure. But I want I I thought like it needed more Nicolas Cage and less like plot like heavy plot world building exposition. Interesting. That, like I I thought it wasn't like as funny as it could have been. I thought it needed more violence. I thought mm. like. I don't know. There was there was just some some things in the plot that like confused me. Like, why were they able to just kind of wa- he was just able to walk in there and go get the girl. And I thought he was going to have to like I was ready for Nicolas Cage to fight off like 20 people. And it didn't happen until the end. <laughs> and the I, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all on board with the end. And when he screams testicle, like like his delivery was fantastic. I love Nicolas Cage in it. But I, I just I wanted so much more of it. I wanted like funnier, like more, more, you know, violence, more screen time for Nicolas Cage. And the movie was just, to me, it felt so caught up in like building this world that I wasn't invested in. I just wanted, I wanted to have more fun with it, but it's weird because a lot of people had so much fun with it. I don't know where yeah. the disconnect is, but yeah, it was, it wasn't yeah. my, my thing. But yeah, production design, like. Maybe we're both just cynics and nihilistic and can't have any fun. <laughs> cool. Maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I wanted to enjoy it as well. It's just. Wasn't, wasn't I could definitely understand that that movie has an audience. And I'm, I will not try to take anything away from the people who are going to love that movie. So didn't love it myself, but I'm also, I don't want to hate it like you guys. Cause I, I know that it's like for people, like I get that. Yeah. So yeah, 
it's like a more tame version of Kung Fu Hustle mm. with like yeah. everything a little bit dialed down, uh, except for I guess the cageism that uh, is kind of missing from Kung Fu Hustle. <laughs> I have a I have a pick for movie that I didn't even it wasn't even on my radar, and then I decided to check it out because I saw a couple of people writing about it, and it's and I think and you know this, but we're all going to the World's Fair. Really liked that movie mm-hmm. out of nowhere, and then I made Cole watch it. And, and it's great. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really great. It's it's actually like the wow. kind of movie that I like. I have a I have like a taste for some of some of the more I, I wouldn't call it mumble Corey, but it's like I like movies that do a lot with a little. And it was def it was like a different movie. It has a different kind of like flavor and tone. It's not strictly within the bounds of one genre. And and the whole time you're you're kind of like wondering what is going on. Uh, with this character and it really kept me on the edge of my seat in that way it was also kind of scary at certain parts and it's just about like this young girl i'm not sure exactly how young she's supposed to be but 13 yeah like you know a 13 ish year old who's just it's it's how they spend their time like on the internet and that premise alone Mm -hmm. is like loaded with all kinds of potential for horror or um, mystery or fantasy and like the movie kind of gives you a little bit of everything and it's one that I really want to like show my friends and talk to other people about it. Although I wouldn't recommend it to like cool. everybody because for some people are going to find it to be very slow but for me like it's it's a slow burn but it's it's there, there's something about it that I can't look away from like every second mm. and it's also it felt very unpredictable to me because the, the, the filmmaking styles like sometimes you'll have like a static camera that's just like watching the character like make a weird video and then like you'll have this long tracking shot like and and then you'll be watching like you know videos from the internet based around this thing that the main character is fascinated with it just felt like i never knew what the next shot was going to be but you know Mm. every every time there was like i don't know it all felt like i i just yeah I, i can't even explain it was it was a very different experience had a great score from alex g Great lead performance. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was eerie, too. It was just like very eerie. W- it was just like a weird mm-hmm. experience. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I love how it engages with the Internet and it does what you said that it'll she'll be watching a video and then you're watching it and then it will just like autoplay the next video and then you watch that and then it will autoplay another video and you watch that. And it's just such a cool way of telling a story. Cool. Like, I, I just love the uh, filmmakers that are engaging with like technology in that way. I mean, and I actually I'm the kind of person who I like unfriended. But I'm also glad this movie was not unfriended and it, it, it was just, mm. you know, we're going to watch a screen the whole time. It didn't it, it wasn't gimmicky like that. It was yeah. not, uh, you know, it was like sometimes you go in, you're kind of in the Internet and then sometimes you're not. It's and it's it's a film. Uh, it's made like any other film. But yeah, what do you think of this one, Ewan? Well, I, I agree that it was quite unpredictable in uh, where the story goes. I really didn't see a lot of the um just things happening uh, i was just wasn't expecting a lot of the stuff i can't say that i liked it as much as as you guys did but i do agree that it t- takes a spin on um kind of a genre that is usually really gimmicky when it comes to tackling the internet i mean there was another film at the festival uh yeah well, i think some of us have seen that film and, and it, it was kind of constrained to just screens and it failed Wait, miserably but that was our uh, hashtag J, yeah. the Romeo and Juliet modern um, day retelling. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go to watch that, that. And that was just kind of awkward the whole way through. Oh, man. <laughs> because, like, it, match, it meshes a modern way of communicating through text 
with old school rhymes from Shakespeare and it's just, it, it doesn't really land and the leads are both not really that convincing. Is our hashtag J like good cringe? I mean, the, the people in it look pretty and it feels like scrolling through Instagram. I think it's the most Instagram movie mm. ever. Uh, what I did really like is that the lead guy, Romeo, has both Letterboxd and the Criterion channel on his phone. And I was just like, okay, this movie gets at least one yeah. star. <laughs> this guy has taste. I didn't like the, the divide between in our hashtag J, which is the name of the movie. I didn't like the divide between how they speak in that way, you know, that you would speak in Romeo and Juliet, and then they text in modern language. Um, and it just feels so disconnected. It Visually, I, I liked the attempt. I, I thought what they tried to do was cool, but I just couldn't get on board with the characters. And I couldn't really get on board with Romeo. I thought, um, I believe his name's R.J. Seiler, the supporting actor, did a better job than our lead here as Romeo. And the way it plays out, if you are... Mm. If you're not a fan or you're just not familiar with Romeo and Juliet, then you are not going to care or know what's going on in this movie. If you are, then you may like it. But um, for someone who's down the middle on that story like me, I'm just like, it was, it was a swing and a miss for me. That's what that was. Yeah. We can appreciate the big, big swing, though, I guess. Big swing. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely a big <laughs> swing. And uh, Cole, do you have a, a film then? Or was that kind of, I guess that you guys had that pick with We're All Going to the World's Fair. Yeah, I, I was, I kind of agreed with We're All Going to the World's Fair. Um, I don't think I liked anything that other people like really didn't like that much, but I will say Violation is is one that I really liked that not a lot of people oh, have, see that. have been talking about. It's very like disturbing, um, <clears throat> kind of in line with, you know, certain Lars von Trier films like the more exploitive ones definitely exploitive yeah it's it's like you know one of those like nc-17 i don't know what are other, I don't, i'm actually not like that into those movies like you know like th there are some movies like cannibal holocaust where i'm just like like i didn't i don't like need that kind of you know like it's not yeah. that level. violence for the sake of violence this one it's actually not, has yeah. like a story yeah yeah i guess you could say yeah but i thought that was really well like directed the cinematography was excellent and the performances were like amazing um mm -hmm. and it ended up feeling like it had a purpose um mm -hmm. to the the i don't even know what to describe what's in this movie but it had a it, it had a purpose to all of that even though it's hard to get through <laughs> at times yeah it, it definitely has a purpose to it i don't think it does anything else besides what it wants to do and for what it does and for the direction like i like shot composition and stuff like that performances were good as well I just thought there was a lot of empty space. Mm -hmm. And to me, this would have worked way better as a short film. That's maybe like 30, 40 minutes long. And you just get it down to what's going on. And then you don't uh, overstay your welcome. Yeah, because it, it doesn't really get do anything really interesting with the character to me to kind of resolve the issue that she, that she has. It's it's so weird. Usually we really like to get into spoilers on mm -hmm. the show to talk so cryptically <laughs> about a film. I'm struggling a lot, but I don't know about you guys, but I guess we have to because these movies, some might not even see the light of yeah. day before, uh, well, the light of day, I guess, the light of your home television uh, before 2022. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it resolves anything very well in terms of like what the character, like, I, I don't think that she comes to a... I guess she does come to a resolve, but it's not endorsed by the movie, I don't think. I think it's <laughs> the extent which it, to which is endorsed is just that it's supported as a, like, you, you understand what she went through and, like, the, the psychological, like, tax that the event caused and, like, the people around her, you know, they're, they're, like, sort of gaslighting or their attitudes about the event and how that affected her. And then it leads her to do that, which is, you know, 
it's a it's a it's definitely makes you is a questionable way to deal with things let's i'll say that but the 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 purpose of doing it in that way though it, like it is it, it does make sense why they do it in that way in the literal way that there's i'm not going to spoil anything in the literal way that there is a deconstruction i'll just leave it at that i think that is trying to make a statement uh, like uh, about what trauma is yeah, I, 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 that's not totally my own idea. I was, I was thinking about the movie, and I was also watching interview. I watched the Q and A with the directors, and that's something they, mm-hmm. they did focus a lot on. So it's really, yeah, I think that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you could take that away from it. I guess I just didn't um, connect with it that mm-hmm. well, but I think there's definitely some substance uh, to it. And by the way, I didn't even understand what happened in the movie the first time I watched it. I completely misread it. It was kind of hilarious. And then I had to go back because this is why it was great that it was virtual. Also, I didn't even mention this, but I, I went back and watched a lot of the parts over and I, I, I was like, oh, I just read that wrong. Like, I, I literally did not understand some things about it. It was very confusing to me. And yeah, that was weird. But in the end, I'm on the same page with it. And then once I got on the same page, I was nervous for a while of, of like, oh, wait, it wasn't how I understood it. And then went back and I was actually very pleased with what it was trying to do and now and then i was like okay good that was actually Mm -hmm. it explains why things were done in the way they were yeah yeah that for sure so uh i guess the next little topic would be but any movies that you guys were excited about and then it kind of just turned out that they just were weren't it they they weren't it at all i i suspect we all have kind of the same movie that we're thinking about right now i bet it's kind of going down the same rabbit hole as john is going down Uh, am i am i right about this is that you're thinking austin yeah austin you agree as well i think so i think so john in the hole yeah john and and oh yeah was kind of disappointing yeah what was that well what was it i mean i I just yeah i i don't know exactly what the hell was that it was good at first. I, I don't even know. I don't know. Maybe we should just leave it at that. We it was, don't know. The first 30 minutes, I was rubbing my hands like this is going to be this is going to be good. And then it just stopped doing anything and it's stopped trying to be about anything. And it mm. it drags on for another hour and then it ends. It just didn't make any sense. I don't know anybody who thought this movie made sense. <laughs> yeah, and it's hurtful when they compare it uh, to uh, to Yogos Lanthimos that a lot of people connected it to. Right? Yeah, I think uh, kind of his style, kind of the Greek style filmmaking style. I could see that comparison. I really could, and and, and visually, you know, even though lack of visually, color, yeah. I think visually they're at least going for some interesting cinematography here. And and the actually, it's funny because the two reviews that I saw on Letterboxd before watching the movie were really positive. So I'm like, oh my mm. god, John and the whole. John and the whole is going to be great, right? And then I watch it and I'm like, what was that? You know, there was just no, it felt like mm-hmm. no point, no resolve. There are characters that come in, don't make any sense. And uh, the kid was good, but really nothing else did it for me. I just thought the movie was yeah. a massive disappointment. It should go back in the hole. That's where it should go. <laughs> Stay in the <laughs> go hole. Go back to, yeah. <laughs> Stay down. Yeah. I felt like the family had a lot more to discuss <laughs> in the hole. Like, what do we do about the fact that our son <laughs> might and could kill us even after we get out. Like we, he could, we need to send this kid away. Like I, I feel, I, I think there was un, unexplored like uh, juice in this movie. Cause it was definitely dripping with yeah. something like it, but you yeah. know, like you were saying the, the first 30 minutes was, I was totally on board, but there was, it just didn't end up going anywhere. You know, it was just, it was just so stagnant. Um, Honestly. Okay. Here, here's the only redeeming thing you can say about this movie. And this isn't even intended. The joke that this movie plays on us 
is the same joke that John plays on his parents. I just thought of that. <laughs> it's a sick, nonsense joke. That it makes true, no yeah. sense. And, and that's all I can say for it. That's actually the only thing I can appreciate about this movie. Uh, fully appreciate oh. is that, that that makes sense to me. Wow, that's great. Well, I guess looking at how many movies I ended up watching, um, I was in the Sundance hole. So <laughs> could you guys like drag me out of it? Because I think, think I'm still stuck. In it. <laughs> but yeah, were there any other outstanding flops and fails from the festival that you'd like to talk about? For me, I, 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 there were a couple. Uh, John and the whole, obviously, our hashtag J. The Blazing World didn't really do anything for me. I thought it was visually interesting. I, I, I didn't enjoy the film that much. And then there were two more that really disappointed me. I thought I was a simple man would be better. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, the simplicity of that story is actually what killed it for me. It, I just didn't find it all that interesting. And then mm. the, the, the biggest one that I was most excited for was actually Eight for Silver, which, you know, I think posed a lot of interesting uh, ideas. And it had an, a cool take on a creature feature, almost a nice little period piece. But then the mm. story just gets so convoluted and messy for me that... I didn't end up getting anything out of Eight for Silver, and I just thought it was very sloppy at the end of the day. And there were more movies yeah. that I was just kind of okay on. Actually, a lot of movies that I was just okay on, but those for me were the really big disappointments. I really hope to go back uh, for Eight for Silver and, and at least pay Eight for Silver to redo some of the CGI oh effects because uh, the creature effects were <laughs> terrible. I hope whenever this gets a release, they at least reworked that a bit. Horrible, because, uh, yeah. Really, really not well-looking film. I watched yeah. a lot of movies there that started out kind of intriguing, but then just like sort of dragged on. And a lot of them were the ones that had like the most interesting styles, like Prisoners of the Ghostland and, mm -hmm. and Crypto Zoo was one where I really liked it, like the first 10 minutes. But and, and the, the, the animation was so cool, but I just didn't care at all about the story they were trying mm -hmm. to tell. And I it took itself too seriously, I think. It, like, yeah, it just wasn't a compelling story to match yeah. the, the visuals. And then... That made me like not want to see the blazing world and um yeah because i was yeah. like well that movie looks really cool but it, it's just i just had a feeling it was going to be like another really interesting stylistic film with you know little else and and i had too many of those correct and so i wanted to i wanted to like you know try other things at some point um i also yeah i was a simple man was just you know I, unfortunately i was i think i and a lot of others were just kind of bored by it i it bored the hell out of me <laughs> yeah and yeah. Me too. And I, yeah, I keep saying like, I like a Peach Pong where Saku films. I think I that was the first movie I fell asleep. I'm oh, sorry. What? Yeah. yeah. You, did you actually fall asleep to it? Well, I yeah, I caught myself right before I hit the table. <laughs> it would be a peaceful, like nice sleep. I would yeah, say. I give it that. Yes, it would. With the sound it would be, yeah, <laughs> kind of in the theme of, of the film yeah. as well. And uh, some of the music, it, it, it wasn't not a lot of music in there, if I remember correctly. I, I liked some parts of the music. Yeah, and the sound design too was really great. That was one part that I was like, that's, yeah, that's impressive. Constant, uh, Constance mm -hmm. Wu is her name. Yeah, she will, she will be a draw for yeah. some people to watch this. But yeah, she's not really a big part of the story. Actually, she doesn't really have anything no. to do much with the overall plot of yeah. the film. It's funny because some people are like, "Oh, Constance Wu is great in this movie." I'm like, I, I guess you just liked it a lot overall, but she really didn't do much. Like, <laughs> she, it's not a role that you'd have to prepare no. for or anything. She probably just walked on set. And, you know, got yeah. it like, oh, I'm a ghost and I'm kind of this peaceful ghost Ooh, helping bad. someone transition to the other side. And it's like, uh, yeah, like she knows how to play. It's very easy. It, it, and I, I was interested in the movie because Constance Wu was in it. I was like, oh, there's an indie film, you know, mm -hmm. but I don't know, with Constance Wu in it. So let's watch it. 
And yeah, I feel bad for people who in the future will watch this because of Constance Wu and then be like, oh, yeah, she has a lot of fans from like Crazy Rich Asians. They're not going to be very happy. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely very different than Crazy Rich Asians, I guess, than <laughs> the overall pacing of the story overall. Uh, how did you guys land on Together Together, the film with Ed Helms, um, kind of another film that had kind of a star attached to it? I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I, and here's the thing. You know, I was looking forward to it. I, I wanted to see Ed Helms do something different because he's always the... And honestly, as the movie was progressing, I'm like, oh, it's just Ed Helms in this movie. But mm-hmm. looking back on it, I'm like, he really did give a good performance and the best part about the film for me was the fact that it didn't do what i was afraid it was going to do and i'm not going to say what that is but it has to do Mm -hmm. with the relationship i thought it was going to go in one way and i was ready to just strike it for it right but it didn't do that and i'm like thank god right It, it, it managed to kind of keep it simple surpass expectations and give a nice story i could have used more with the ending but I actually really like Together Together. Mm-hmm. I did. It's it's a very aware film of, of what it's yeah. doing and the subject matter that it's uh, going for. I didn't like it as much as something uh, last year, like uh, Never Ready, Sometimes, Always. Mm-hmm. But it, it feels like it goes into, I guess, similar, not really similar subject matter, but it, it approaches it with yeah. a lot of understanding as well. And I really like the comedic moments. Yeah. Um, it made me laugh quite a bit. I uh, think that Lennon and... and uh, I guess kind of newcomer, the co-star Patty Harrison, she pleasantly surprised me um, as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, a great person to play off from Ed Helms. Yeah, yeah I, re- I really enjoyed that movie. Like that was a movie that I needed after so many films were like, you know, kind of slow yes. or difficult to you know have my attention. And I also I want to mm-hmm. testify that last year I, I got like like one or no movies that were slow, like. It, it it felt like Sundance was a, was a movie was a festival where like they they pick movies with like you know a good amount of energy. This festival was was definitely that was sort of a recurring theme. Is is it, uh, some yeah. movies that are hard to retain your interest? But I I definitely didn't feel it last year. But this this movie was great for that reason because it was just thoroughly like easy to get into, and I loved both the lead performances. Um, a little little jarred by the ending. And that cut to black, but yeah, um, I still think it's like a really strong movie. It might be like it might crack my top ten um, for the fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it did crack my top ten. I think I have, yeah, I have it somewhere in my top ten as well. I guess talking about overall themes, I guess we can say that there was a lot of slow movies, and another one, of course, inevitably being the year that has COVID attached to it. There were some movies that were kind of. Passing on as an allegory for COVID or some of the documentaries who actually just had it as a part of it. Did you guys catch any of those films that were filmed or had the topic of COVID in the midst of, yeah, it's it's runtime? Uh, just in the Earth, I think. I didn't catch The Pink Cloud, which I know pe- people say paralleled that without even, you know, being made before the fact, without trying, without trying. Anything else that did that? I don't think so. Uh, in the Earth, definitely. there's a lot of films that inadvertently did it. That's the th- that's why I don't know how to answer the question. Because we're all going yeah. to the World's Fair is also a movie that inadvertently speaks to the time we're in right now, but was not intended to do that. Yeah, I guess uh, the one movie that was was made that way and looks super cheap in the process is just horrible. One of the worst films from the festival was How It Ends. I don't know how you mm. guys felt about How It Ends. Oh, I heard I heard it wasn't great, so I didn't check it out. Ah, wise choice. <laughs> I actually kind of disagree there. I, You know, I didn't think it was terrible. It, I was just kind of like, okay on it. 
You know, mm-hmm. like it's fine. I, I like the quirk and the charm and the idea behind it. It is very much like we're going from SNL skit to SNL skit and what Locked Down did on HBO Max recently, where they're just trying to get as many cameos as they possibly can is what it feels like. I feel like a lot of these COVID movies are trying mm-hmm. to do that because because they can do that. And it was just it was kind of filmed awkwardly, but I didn't hate the the happiness and the positivity of the movie. And it was almost like mm-hmm. this weird, you know, obviously it's called How It Ends and it's about, you know, the world is not in a good place right now. It's coming to an end. And But these characters are just so cheerful and positive. Like, I liked the juxtaposition of that entire thing. I'm trying not to go in too far into it, but I, you know, I, I could definitely see criticisms because the first 30 minutes I was out. I was completely out. And then I slowly got like, oh, that was cute. It was charming. It was cute. Didn't like the ending. I thought it was cheap. Uh, but what you and saying cheaply made, yeah, I don't think the filmmaking was the best overall. That's what really kept it from being a good movie for me. I just thought it was okay. Yeah, uh, I I guess maybe my humor isn't really. I never really watched uh, SNL a lot. I guess because it's very much like that. If yeah. if you don't seek it out here, uh, it's not really what you get to see yeah. a lot. The skit way of of filmmaking and moving from cameo to cameo. Yes, didn't land for me and. Um, the whole like uh i guess the two main characters are the main character that whole dynamic just yeah. i don't know i just didn't like it i thought it was also uh, lacking in the screenplay it wasn't really funny it didn't really make me laugh so uh, i guess that was kind of a disappointment to me but again to some people it might be a lot of yeah fun. if you're not laughing during um, that movie because that's like the whole charm and shtick of it <laughs> then you I, I imagine a lot of people i did see some people that absolutely <laughs> loved it though i i have a friend who gave it nine out of ten mm-hmm. i'm just like wow i didn't see that in it but Okay, I guess you laughed a lot, right? It's it's that kind of, <laughs> if the skits don't work, then you're not going to like it that much. Yeah. Uh, there were a few documentaries, I guess, that touched on this subject. Uh, there was Homeroom, the film that was started before COVID hit and uh, then kind of... No, yeah, it does follow the uh, a, a group of students from Oakland and it's the third part of a trilogy from Peter Nix um, about the Oakland area and different... I guess, political systems. And the last one was education that it tackled. And it, it does that nice shift organically because it's not made after the fact of how uh, these students deal with the changes that come from COVID. And uh, yeah, just overall uh, it, how the um, school gets affected by it. And um, they just try to make changes, mm. uh, positive changes in the school and how they're struggling with it. So it has that uh, kind of political angle and also gets just amplified uh, as soon as COVID comes in because everything gets a little bit more difficult. And it was also in the same breath that was a documentary um, about the outbreak in Wuhan, but it also uh, briefly touches on um, the differences between how China and how the US is dealing um, with the outbreak and how they are kind of working through getting the information to the people, kind of the differences in freedom of speech as well. I like that dynamic. It's definitely worth checking out if Someone's not burned out on, I guess, COVID documentaries. <laughs> yeah, there was also a Life in a Day, which was compiled from tens of thousands of people who sent in videos of their day. And that was done um, 20 years ago. And I guess it's just a recurring thing. And then they did that one day in July. It was kind of a nice compilation uh, of, of videos. I don't think it is a, a great film overall because... Uh, you just kind of try to tie in a narrative after the fact, but it starts off with like a a, a montage of uh, of childbirth, and that's kind of a nice way. Mm. And it goes through different topics, kind of stages of life. The 
was nice. And the last one was one that was set in New York City. Uh, it was called Searches and basically um, interviewed a bunch of people about um, dating apps. And it's kind of mixed on that because it was a bit empty and there wasn't really a drive there to explore people other than, uh, I guess, just kind of look at people as they swipe left and right. Um, felt a bit empty afterwards, but I did open up Tinder while I was looking the film. <laughs> so I guess I am part of the problem. I'm a guilty. <laughs> it did advertise. Yes. Um, that was kind of, I guess, the whole, the, 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 the row of COVID films that uh, were out there. Uh, how about In the Earth? You guys like that one? I did not. Um, I was a bit disappointed, but I, I mean, it was my second Ben Wheatley film. I only saw Rebecca, <laughs> maybe not the <laughs> best introduction to him uh, because he's so tame and kind of nothing um, in there. And it feels a bit unleashed here where it just gets to do a lot of violence uh, with, to me, not a lot of substance, but I think it's another one where I can see a lot of people enjoying it in a similar way, way as um, Violation or Prisoners of the Ghostland. Not that those two movies are similar, but um, kind of genre cinema that is not really for me. It's another one that I was disappointed with. I don't think it's bad per se. I thought it was okay. Uh, there's a lot, especially visually to it, right? It's, it's a beautiful, well, for some it'll be a beautiful movie. For some it will be really jarring, right? There are some very jarring <laughs> visual elements to the film, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, but I just, I wasn't really invested with the story like I wanted to be. And I'm finding myself more and more uh, when it comes to Ben Wheatley and his films you know, last year with Rebecca, but even before that, there's only one or two movies of his that I've really responded to. I like the approach, maybe much more so, the independent style feel to it. Um, I didn't hate it, but it's one of those movies I just didn't really resonate with like I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I liked it. What it was trying to go for felt very similar to what Annihilation did better. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Which was like, it was trying to be about how people like grapple with the force of nature, I think. Yeah. And it kind of landed on like the the point that the you you just have to like kind of sit there and like let it shroom you out which was mm -hmm. a kind of a, sort of an interesting conclusion <laughs> but it, it you know it wasn't really that interesting of a movie in terms of like characters or anything like that to make me care that much also curious like uh i think maybe the movie i should have said for a movie that i liked maybe more than others was censor did you guys see censor yeah i did manage to catch that but i guess i didn't arrive at uh yeah as positively as as you did because it was one of the first films where I felt a bit tired mm -hmm. in the middle, uh, I would agree. and it didn't manage to grab me and uh, grab me in a way that I I liked the ending by the end of it. I thought that was well done, but it, it did so little beforehand for me to get me into the story. And I do like horror and I do like um, when it, especially like that genre really lends itself to a lot of references um, from the 80s. And I just was hoping from the title a bit more of a film about actual censorship and i guess that's not really what the film was about at the you don't end think of the so day. it's kind of just a vehicle for the for the character i i i don't really know i was a bit confused i was by confused too film. i i, I think i um want to watch it again i actually went back and watched parts of it again yeah me too um because i was like really interested i thought the end was like pretty great but it definitely seemed like a movie about um you know the the thoughts that that she has in her mind that she's censoring mm -hmm. i i i need to i need to re I can't I can't revisit it. Yeah, I have to revisit it right now. I don't know if I even can. I don't know if I have like my thoughts written down. I think I wrote some thoughts after the movie, actually, but they were pretty like insane. <laughs> I thought a lot about the movie and I just couldn't really figure out what it was trying to say, even though I love how the ending melds her understanding of horror movies into real life. And it becomes that I, I love how it did that, but I couldn't understand what it was trying to 
do with all of these ideas it was throwing around in the first two thirds. It didn't it, it didn't make sense to me. OK, I think that but, the I'm, movie, but I'm, if I watch it again, maybe if you watch it again, I'll I'll check it out, too. I think the movie is about someone who invests in the idea that um, censorship in movies like works, that if we keep, you know, things out of the public's eyes, that people will not be, you know, prone to like their violent thoughts. But what what movies really do is they expose the things that are already existing inside of people. So like she's mm. kind of mm. and, and, and her personal investment is in that is that she's censoring like some trauma that she has that she hasn't really been able to deal with her process. And a movie brings that up in a way that like spirals her. And in the end, she's kind of like trying to you know, blame the movies and blame the filmmaker for it. But really, the film just exposed what was, you know, like kind of lurking in her the whole time, I would say. Yeah, but I, I and, and I'm going to be obtuse about this. But it, it if the movie brings up your trauma and then inspires you to do something that would have been better off if you just kept it suppressed, then that also goes against what you're saying about like what you know, whether whether this is a positive thing that movies do. I don't know. We, are, we talked about that. Yeah, we, but we already discussed it. But so I watched interviews with like the filmmakers there. and stuff. I don't think that they're concerned about whether or not it's like movies should bring up the trauma. It's just like movies exist and like they're powerful and like they can make us react in okay. these ways. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely do need to rewatch it because that's not really I, I couldn't really take away much from it. But maybe having uh, a set angle at. Uh, how as to how you are looking at the character and her actions maybe that helps on a rewatch yeah gives it a bit more meaning um at least to me that's definitely one that i i, I appreciate it more than i like it mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah. it's, it's one that i i almost see the vision of what the director's going for if that makes sense but i yeah. couldn't quite get there on the way that it plays out the ending i agree is great and i really love especially there's a shot in there i'm just like ooh. And then the movie ends and I'm just like, well, that, that may be the first thing that I've said, ooh, about the entire time, right? So it's just, I, I really wanted to be there on it. I really appreciate it, but it's not one that I feel like I liked at the end of the day, just because of, I think, the way that the story was written. Uh, but I do think the ambition, I, I don't like using, I, work, I use it a lot, but I don't like using that word. I think the ambition was at least there for the director, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I guess uh, to bring us uh, to our last point, that would be, well, I watched a bit more than you guys were able to fit into your schedule because I'm just, I guess, a descendant's beast. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, did you miss any of the films that maybe I got to see? And uh, maybe I can let you know if it's worth checking out or you'd rather stay away from it. I think of the ones I missed, I would have liked to see the documentary Try Harder. I heard some good things about that. Mm -hmm. I would have liked to see The Pink Cloud. Um yeah marvelous mm. in the black hole yeah, i didn't too. see yeah that one and then maybe the edgar wright documentary maybe the one about the coronavirus in china and um, overall i don't think i missed anything major i really got to see everything i wanted to but mm -hmm. if i had another day that might be my lineup if i had you know my pick of what to see try harder kind of landed in the middle field of of documentaries for me but it was definitely interesting um but that's kind of all i can say about it it's it's just kind of interesting. It didn't do anything like groundbreaking, but I think that's totally okay for a movie that's just about, I guess, uh, how hard it is to get into those Ivy League schools, which is something that I cannot relate to at all. Like, <laughs> I just have to pass a bunch of, well, no, I don't want to go into the whole school system, the education <laughs> system here, but it, it's way easier to get into university once, um, no, it's not as hard to get into certain universities as it is in, 
in the US. So it it was it was interesting to see that struggle that mm. a, a lot of people are facing when they are trying to succeed and how that takes a toll on um, these young young children um, and all the pressure that they're under. Yeah, I knew like too many people like that. <laughs> so that's why I might be interested in it. Yeah, and the Pink Cloud was another like fun experience. I, I didn't know that they uh, did this before COVID because it was it was so, so much COVID. Like in that sense, the, the fee was just that, I guess. And it, it just prolongs the experience to an extent that I really hope that we don't have to go through. It kind of has some... It's slow again. It's slow. It has some pacing issues, in yeah, in my opinion. But uh, it's overall really interesting, and the performances in that are quite strong. And in the same breath, I can definitely recommend uh, if you are okay with maybe a documentary that gets a, a tad bit political. And what was uh, another film that um, you mentioned? I guess the Sparks Brothers. I really recommend. I mean, overall, I I'd say that might be my favorite from the whole fest. Wow. wow. Yeah. Awesome. That was a little bit of a time commitment. That one too. Yeah, it was one that maybe overstays its welcome a bit that I can forgive just because it's Edgar Wright and I really got into the music. I kept pausing the um, screening anyway to like look up the um, songs that they were talking about because they like they go through the entire discography of the band and they have like 300 different songs wow. and like 25 albums. So it goes back to like the 60s or 70s all the way up until like today. So there's a lot of stuff to go through. And um, yeah, it's definitely an interesting one to so check that, out. That was one where the link kind of kept, because two docs for me, it was Flea and the Sparks Brothers that I was just, and of course the one that ended up winning it all, but, um, but, but th this was the one that I wanted to see. Uh, so you saying that, I guess the link for some was an issue, but that was really what kind of kept me from visiting it. I'm very interested. And I think really for me, it's, it's, it's all the docs. I just want to check out, right? From the Sparks Brothers to All Light Everywhere to obviously, you know, the, the Street Gang, which was one that I really, I mean, how do you mm -hmm. go wrong with something that like was Sesame Street? The only reason I didn't do that one, because I know it's, I think it's coming to HBO Max semi soon. Um, so I figured I'd see it then. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, the documentaries, I, I heard some great things about a lot of them. And uh, it's unfortunate that I missed most of them except for Flea, but um, but I'm, I'm really excited. And you said uh, PBS is dis distributing most of these, right? I I think it just uh, at least the producer, okay. they're at least producing a bunch of them, if I saw that okay. correctly. I saw that logo pop up a couple of times, but I didn't write down for which ones it, it was. Uh, so I'm not entirely sure. Another one I guess I would highlight is President. Um, that oh. was another really interesting documentary about the election in Zimbabwe. It's inherently just about democracy and the struggle of actually getting democracy in, in uh, a country like Zimbabwe, cool. uh, which... I guess uh, for U.S. audiences, they you know usually try to to look for the allegories and the, the parallels that they can draw to their own political situation. And there's definitely some parallels there. So, or else we can't understand the movie. It just doesn't make any sense. What did you guys think about Primetime? I was really keen to that. That was probably my most anticipated film from the fest. Didn't see, I didn't it. see it. Yeah. Oh, you no. all didn't see it. I heard it wasn't good. Oh, that's disappointing. I, I really enjoy um, Bartosz. Uh, Bartosz. Uh, I'm not even trying to pronounce his last name, but the lead actor from there uh, last year in Corpus Christi, I think he was one of the highlights. Mm. And uh, have you guys seen Corpus Christi? No, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Oh, I guess that's why I'm the only one hyped on this. <laughs> I, I believe he was really good in it. Uh, this was kind of lacking a bit. Uh, I, I noticed the theme um, in a few films where the, the antagonist is more you within yourself, your struggles. 
and not actually like an external other person that keeps you from doing things. Um, I mean, also in The Count of Three, that's another uh, movie that I guess kind of tackles that the whole way through. Yes. And the German film Human Factors was also kind of um, tackling mm -hmm. that issue. And the same here in primetime. It just doesn't really get to the point, even though it's not that long a movie. It's just an hour and um, it's just 90 minutes long, but it just never really gets into it. It has a really strong start, but then it kind of just lets off. I, I would point out that a, another theme of the festival was really good scores, really great music and like a yeah. lot of these mm. films. Yeah. Um, Strawberry Mansion, which uh, I ended up not finishing, but you ended up finishing, had an amazing score from Dan Deacon, who also did like two documentaries there. One was All Light Everywhere. Um, like Censor, had, like all the horror mm. films that I saw had great scores. In the Earth. Clint Mansell did that one. That was great. I didn't see Mayday, but I heard that as a great like Colin Stetson score. Yeah, score is probably the best thing about it. Yeah, um, pretty much every movie. I felt like I was I was just like I, I felt like I was repeating myself just, just by saying that every movie had a great score, even Prisoners of the Ghostland. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess to round it out, let's talk about the most ambitious film of the festival, probably the best that will go down as the greatest of Sundance. Of them all, it's of course Mother Schmuckers. Oh <laughs> Did you guys no. manage? To I watched the first five minutes out of curiosity, and I was like, "Nope, nope, not happening." <laughs> what did you think about that one? I felt the same, but I did uh, stick with it, and I stuck all the way through. And that's why Prisons of the Ghostland is not the lowest-rated film from oh, the wow. festival. It's Mother Schmuckers. I heard it was horrible. Yeah, I think there's a really, really small audience for it, but. I might have w wanted to check it out more if it weren't in another language, because obviously I have no problem with subtitles. But this mm -hmm. one, there was so much overlapping dialogue. I mean, you could think like Safdie Brothers or something that the subtitles yeah. were. You can't enjoy like all of the stuff going on because you have to read it unless you understand the native language. I feel like it wouldn't be as good. Yeah, I do understand uh, a bit of French and maybe uh, I guess a few of the jokes didn't go over my head that were constrained by the language and I, I put they were just not funny even if they yeah. made those really cheap uh jokes there as well but yeah something i guess you really should sit away from is mother schmuckers yeah i'm not gonna watch sorry it. no i just said yeah. it has a funny letterbox graph and i said i'm not gonna check it out <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just a it's just a yellow poster that it just says uh mother schmuckers yeah. i guess they even cheaped out on on having a graphic artist take a still frame from the movie and putting it there it's like it's it's a movie that probably uh maybe has a better audience at slum dance i don't know if you mm. guys are doing any festivals further down the line i signed up for that i think for just 10 bucks you can see uh a range of i think was it 70 or 110 it's just a lot of wow. films that uh, you get to see and i think it starts on the day that this episode comes out slum dance uh slum dance. yeah for a non-budget or like a really low-budget film. Are you planning on going, attending any festivals further in the year? Toronto, hopefully, mm. and the New York Film Festival. Yeah, mm. I, I really hope to be, but part of me is like, because, you know, we're so spoiled with this digital stuff. It's just like, man, I just love to sit back and relax and watch um, <laughs> a bunch of movies at home. But then again, <laughs> I, I really want the experience. So we don't know what later in the year is going to hold, but I mean, whatever happens i'm sure this year it'll be all digital but whatever happens beyond that yeah i'm gonna try my best to make as many as i can uh just because mm -hmm. i want that experience and i want to meet the oscar expert and brother bro like i want to oh, yeah. you, you know what i mean like <laughs> I, I want to have that with everybody so i just i i would absolutely love to uh do as many as i can yeah yeah that's one thing that i would really want like 
in an in-person festival is I want to like meet some of the, you know, people like Austin and Ewan here, the great fellows over here, meet, meet some of them at the in-person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can do this podcast in person. Ooh, be cool. I like that. Cool. Yeah, that would be that would be fun because I can't tell who's who I'm going to talk over because my audio is delayed by a second and I have to keep taking my headphone. <laughs> yeah, I guess my further plans for attending any festivals is maybe I'll catch a few at Slum Dance, and I also got uh, a cheap pass. Uh, I think it was like sixty bucks for South by Southwest. Um, so that's the one I'm doing next. And last year I kind of missed. Uh, TIFF and New York Film Festival because I was doing um, Zurich Film Festival. So, uh, yeah, we'll see maybe. Last year, um, it was really tough for people to get accredited for the virtual festivals at um, TIFF and New York Film Festival. Like, I know, you know, it, it, not only me, but like people who were, you know, much who seemed like, you know, they just regularly get into Toronto were denied. But Sundance mm -hmm. was like, they seemed like they accepted even more people than usual. So, uh, and, and it seems like a lot of people... Yeah agree that they did it the best like they did it they made it really accessible and easy for people to yeah. watch the films and like get you know res reservations so it seemed like they did a really good job with it mm -hmm. yeah i was wondering about that because i when i read through the rules for certain festivals when it comes to press accreditation some of them mentioned that they really don't do uh youtube or podcast or anything yeah. um in in that line of work wasn't sundance a part of that so i, I was like really pleasantly surprised that you guys we're getting any any press um, accreditation. Which festival? Which festivals did you read that don't do that? I thought it was Sundance, but I must have been mistaken. Well, uh, because I think last year when you went, Cole, you also got um, some sort of, of press yeah. pass, right? Just a, yeah. a lower level press yeah, pass. Yeah, so they they did let me go last year off with you know the promise of YouTube coverage. So I feel like it makes sense that they should like want people like that going. Um, someone. At Sundance said that like Carson Runquist was able to go like a couple of times. So, if he, you know, he's also on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess they, they let, you know, people go from YouTube. I don't know about the other festivals. I feel like Cannes wouldn't like it. It's funny because part part of the language was actually I, I know for South by Southwest, that was part of the language, um, which I actually I, I forgot to apply for. And I was too late for that. So I bought a passport. But Sundance, they uh, th that was part of the language. When you when you read into it, it said, you know, that's essentially like we don't really want YouTubers, but then all the YouTubers ended up getting in anyway. So I was just like, yeah, and, and why not? Right. Why not? I think we are just especially like you guys. I mean, you've established yourselves as like the really knowledgeable individuals on this subject. So That's why hilarious. not have <laughs> a, a group, an individual like that to that has an audience, right, to express this information? I just think it's it's almost vital for YouTubers that are, you know, have the credentials, are professional. Um, to be able to go to these festivals. So mm -hmm. it's, it's really cool to see what Sundance was able to do for all of us, really. Yeah, because you're yeah. you're also like, you're advertising their films to a different market. Like, you know, print publications yeah. are great, but if you, like, why not? If you can get, you know, people who are able to bring the audience, the films to an audience on YouTube or any other platform, like, why not, you know, diversify that? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I'm as like, thoughtful or um as as you know the the written reviews like those are always very impressive and like you know but there's just you know youtube's a different way of communicating too yes it is no gatekeeping you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess it's kind of in a similar spot i guess how streaming was treated a couple of years ago maybe mm -hmm. the video form of reviewing is kind of due for some reform as well uh for legitimacy because uh yeah there's, there's a lot of other stuff that you can do that you can't do just with your words yeah. that you can come through with certain people who 
do edits in a um in a way that kind of adds to I guess the whole review form. It's it's interesting what's what's happening um I guess in the whole review genre over on YouTube. Yeah, I guess that wraps us up for our Sundance coverage. I think we did manage to talk about quite a few movies and um yeah, if you want to hear any more stuff, uh, Austin has uh, a ranking upcoming, a listing, a tier list. So go check that out. And he also, I think you all are doing uh, reviews for all the films that you watched over on Letterboxd as well. So definitely go check that out. Want to catch more from the Oscar expert. They have a lot of stuff upcoming, I assume, with all the awards talk that uh, is is brooming just brooming you know very exciting yeah and lots of lots of great reactions coming over as well from that twitter as well so uh yeah all of the socials for all of our guests are linked below in the show notes so definitely go check them out to get uh, more from them you can also find more of our stuff all of the socials for the quiet on set podcast linked below we are on letterboxd we are on instagram we are on twitter pretty much everywhere uh, we're not on Tinder yet, but maybe searches has changed my mind and it's it's time. It's time to find the right podcast partner. We joked about that. It would be fun to have like a social media just for content creators. And then you kind of match in a way and then you get to collab- collaborate like in that. certain things. Yeah, that's that pretty cool. Idea, maybe you overlap with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next week, we are talking about Judas and the Black Messiah and uh, Lachlan and Kelly will be back for that. I guess this is the end for us. Um, I hope... I'll get to see you guys again on the show. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having us again. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you for having me. I want to be back. Uh, you know, this was great, man. I appreciate all of your support, you and what you've done for my channel and just really being one of the the, the bigger presences that I've had like on all of my social medias and, and all of that stuff, man. So I appreciate what you're doing. I think you do a fantastic job. And uh, thanks for having me once again. Yeah.